0: All right. Hey friends, this is Narissa. I'm Narissa Sue, Master Integrated Breakthrough Coach, and welcome to the Lioness Method podcast for female business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders who are passionate about growing their leadership skills, building amazing teams, and solving real-life problems with a growth mindset. Uh, today, we have the great pleasure to speak with Christina Dennis, as she is a sought-after speaker, teacher, and guide. Uh, she's worked with people for over 24 years as an expert in adversity Uh, christina dennis walks people through trauma divorce diagnosis and disease into a life transformed it's her life's work to show people how to release events of their past so that they can become free of their limiting beliefs so amazing welcome christina thank you so much for being on the show today thank you so much for having me i'm very excited Wonderful. Well, I would love to just jump right in because I know there's Perfect. so many things that, that we want to cover today. So I'd love just to to get started to ask you a little bit about who you serve and how you serve them.
1: Absolutely. Uh, well, my clients uh, are, you know, right now I'm working with younger women in, uh, you know, professional careers. I also have two fathers that I'm walking through things with, a 19-year-old, a 70-year-old. So it really is somebody who has maybe hit their trauma and is trying to kind of, you know, they're, they're post-trauma and they're trying to figure out how do they move forward? How do they let go of what all of that, uh, that trauma or that big issue uh, diagnosis, whatever it looks like, how do they move out of it? They've survived it. And now they need to figure out how to actually learn to love their life.
0: And that's my perfect client. Amazing. I love that. And you're also a codependency expert as well, right? Yes. Yes. I have found in
1: many of the cases where there is trauma, uh, there is codependency. And so I have found that that when I'm working with people, they have either through their childhood or some other traumatic event have come up with a set of rules in which they're living their life by. And they are incredibly unhappy because they keep putting everybody else ahead of themselves. And that's because they think that's the way it's supposed to be. They think that they're being a good person if they do it. It's it, it's uh, messages that they got early, early on in their life. And it takes a real large amount of work to break those so that you can have a daily life of blessings and happiness. And you can really be living your life.
0: I think you just hit the nail on the head. I, I mean, all the women that I speak to you, I think have that mindset because it's, exactly. it's actually, that's how we're kind of groomed. We're trained to, to think, to put everybody else in front of us. And as, um, as moms, cause I know you're also a mom
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and just you know, working women, women in business, you know, female entrepreneurs. I, I, I think that those women in particular, they wear so many different hats, and so it's really easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle, don't you find?
1: You said it. It is. Um, you know, the patriarchy is not a gender; it's a system, and it's very. Uh, Prone to creating codependence. One of the best compliments that you can get is your selfless mother. And when I became a mother and then became a special needs mother, I was complimented. That was the recognition I got. That was the recognition I received about wow, you're so amazing. You're putting, you know, you always put my son Billy first. And in many cases I did, and it was necessary because of his extreme needs. But I also started realizing there needs to be a different conversation. We need to quit women to do, you know, women who work also have about 17 hours of, of extra work on them in their home place. <laughs> At 17 least hours 17 a week, hours. <laughs> yes, that's the average of, of people who wanna admit it or are willing to see it. And so we, as working women, as working mothers have to kind of start sharing This truth, this new truth that we have to be first in our lives so that we can be there for others to younger generations. We have to stop breaking it. And I feel like there's some places where that's really happening, but there's a lot of places where it's still, you know, the compliment, the best compliment you can get is that you didn't do anything for yourself today. And that's outrageous.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, Part of my work as well is is really changing that viewpoint because I love mm-hmm. what Ayanna von Zant says, and she said it's not selfish; it's selfful, and we can't right. pour from an empty cup. I love that um, that teaching that she has. So that kind of goes along with what you're saying. Yes, um, and we
1: perpetuate it. We perpetuate it with our children when we show them that this is what it means to be a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, so and they go out and do it again.
0: Exactly. And I was just going to say our kids ultimately learn by our example, not by what we say. Right. So I think that teaching them to take care of themselves, it starts with us as moms. Right. If if we're happy, we're healthy, you know, we're taking care of ourselves then our kids are ultimately going to be a lot happier.
1: Well, and it teaches teaches not only young girls to value themselves, it teaches young boys that this is what it means to be a woman and this is how you treat a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's just a much healthier place for everybody. Yeah. And I think it's
0: it's also empowering too, because we're, what we're talking about here is about empowering women to really take take charge of their life, right? Take charge of their health and their happiness and ultimately their financial status because we're helping oh, them yeah. too in lots of different ways. So
1: breaking the codependent behaviors the patterns that you've been sometimes we're just used to doing it that way we don't challenge the system Mm -hmm. and for you know those of us on the who are females we don't benefit from this system but we continue to uphold it and so Mm -hmm. i really love the idea of breaking it in our own homes so that we can show others how to do it and we can let everybody know it's okay to get your needs met in -hmm. fact it's imperative You know, some of the lessons that I've learned as a special needs mom have just reinforced that to an extreme degree, you know, Mm -hmm. that
0: my son does not want to have the pressure of making me happy. Yes, definitely. And then when you're miserable, you're not able to be present either. Right. So you're missing out on so much for sure. Um, And I I know that you're a codependency expert. So I would actually love to just for the the woman who's listening right now. Can you what does uh, what is codependency? <laughs> right this <laughs> is know, one of the big
1: is it is so originally the term was coined by uh the recovery program um alcoholics anonymous and so if you look it up the definition is where somebody needs uh somebody's uh putting their needs on hold for an addicted person in their life and they need to have this person remain addicted so that they have purpose it's living your life for somebody else in fact i have a good list of Uh, codependent traits on my website, because I get this question all the time. It's a lack of boundaries. It's a lack of self-responsibility, which is not always fun to hear, but it's, you know, expecting that you have, um, you have expectations of somebody that you've probably not even told them. I call them invisible contracts. I will do everything you need me to do to make your life good. And in return, you'll do the same. But what happens when you are prone to codependent behaviors is you usually pick somebody who isn't going to do that. You know, they are reminding you of maybe an alcoholic parent or, you know, a dysfunctional home. You pick that person to try to change the past. You know, if I can convince you to love me, then everything that happened to me in my history is not uh, is not real. It's not right. They were wrong. Not me. And so when you're able to That's start. That's really breaking, powerful
0: what you just said. Right. There. That's so powerful.
1: Right. It is. It's an, It's when you start pulling that the curtains apart, when you start pulling that, you know, onion and you start seeing the layers, you realize that you've gotten it wrong. And, you know, we learn this. It's not codependents aren't born. There's a real kind of jokey joke about codependency mm-hmm. like. We're weak or, you know, we're the psycho girlfriend or we're the daddy's girl or daddy issues. That's also one that makes me cringe because it's so true. You know, when we have an absent father, we struggle for our codependency and our self-esteem. You know, we struggle with it. And it isn't. There are leaders. I was an incredible leader. I had over 400 employees at one of my largest hotels. I absolutely killed it in that department. I was strong. I was able to do it. But when it would come down to who I am and what I like, I didn't, it didn't work. And many people want you to remain in a codependent pattern, especially employers. You know, they want, they love that part where they can really work somebody over who has a hard time saying no. So it's really, It really is expanded from what people think it is. It's not mama boys, it's not psycho girlfriends. It's
0: it's many
1: of us who are intelligent and in strong roles.
0: I I love that because what what you just said, it just resonates so true for all the women that I work with as so far are really powerful women. They're out there, they're really successful. And they're just kind of aching to have a deeper relationship, just deeper relationships across the board, whether that's with other women or having a partner in their life, have, connecting with their children at a whole different level. So I think what you're talking about is is so crucial to just being able to function in life and have a healthy relationships with boundaries.
1: I love that you brought that up because that is the other very kind of sad thing when you are always taking care of when I was always taking care of somebody else's needs. I put on I was basically putting on a show. I was acting as a needless person. I was acting as somebody who didn't um, who didn't have needs, didn't have wants, didn't have desires. My desire was to make you happy. Well, that's not my true self. So. When I started breaking codependent patterns, you know, 25 years ago is when I actually entered into a program of recovery, but I worked many years before that with self-development and trying to find the answer. When I actually started breaking them, the real me showed up. And what I Mm -hmm. realized was that I had not been honest in any of my relationships. I had not shown up as myself. I showed up as the version I thought you wanted. And so therefore no intimacy could really happen in any of my relationships. And some people stuck around, but most people left when I started learning the word no. And you know, <laughs> it's they were funny like, oh, how that
0: happens. <laughs>
1: you've changed the rules and we weren't yeah. expecting that. So, I love that you brought up that point.
0: And what you just said is also, I mean, when you learn to say no, I mean, there's there's going to be people that just fall away and I think mm-hmm. that's a good point to bring up for the women listening is if they fall away then they were not meant to be there. If you start exactly. if you start implementing your boundaries and and saying this is what makes me feel comfortable, this is what I need to feel loved and respected and people are pushing against, then that is a, a key indicator that they probably don't belong there. And the people that that move closer and listen up, like they sit up because now you're sharing how to love you, how to have a deeper relationship with you and they come closer to you. Those are the people that you ultimately want.
1: Right. I, you know, I want to make sure I clear up one thing, you know, when we're living in codependent patterns, there is a part of us that is our true essence. So when I start working with people or when I do a retreat or a speech, I want people to not, I don't want them to hear the wrong message that I'm saying that they're wrong for wanting to Mm -hmm. help people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you're only showing up about 10% as the real you you know, when you don't share how you work. And first, and honestly, I didn't even know what I liked, you know, until I started doing this work, I didn't know what my favorite color was or what hobbies I like to do. I'm always in awe of people that stay true to what they want to do, you know, um, uh, like they, they have these quirky hobbies, or they have stuff that they like to do, or, you know, adult actresses that have a full-time job. I love those kinds of people and I want to learn from them because they are having a full rich life. And I did not have that. You know, I did not have hobbies. I did not have activities that did anything. If it didn't have some production value of how to up my game or increase my stock, you know, I didn't do it. I worked out because I wanted to look acceptable you know, and it was very interesting when I really started looking at all of my behaviors. Hmm. But make sure to to say again, the tendency to want to help people is not a bad thing.
0: Absolutely, you know? no, I think that's a beautiful thing about people. But it's like it comes goes back to that that subject that you brought up in the beginning about being selfless, right? And then mm-hmm. it's like you can have a heart centered leader, somebody that's a giver. But in order to give uh, the most, you really have to make sure that your needs are met, that you're healthy, that you have some happiness. So you're giving from that place of overflow. So, yeah,
1: I love that overflow fun and for free. Right. That's a really good measurement stick, you know, measuring stick. of If I'm doing this, is it for fun or for or am I trying to, you know, extract a result from you? Rather than just being honest and saying, hey, I need your help. I'm trying to extract something by being super nice to you or whatever, you know, like dis- you know, not taking my needs in account and disregarding them and just doing what you need us to do. And everyone knows those person has somebody in their life that is always going to put their needs first, you know, and they don't know how to do that relationship part. And those are the ones that need demoted. You know, I I think that sometimes when I start working with somebody, they're like, well, every relationship I have is codependent. I'd have to get rid of all my friends. No, no, no. You don't have to get rid of them. But if you have people in your life that are not willing to make adjustments to the fact that you are now expressing your needs, they definitely deserve a demotion in your life. And that means they go to the bottom of the list. You know, that, that person that if you call with good news, they always throw a shower on it. They don't get my calls anymore when i have good news i go to the people that have a good track record for me and with me that are really going to be excited because i'm happy they don't have to say things like i don't get it you know that
0: critical oh my gosh your tribe your inner circle they say you know the the five people that you're around the most are really going to influence the way that your life is and it's like you want that inner circle to be a tight group of cheerleaders, hype men, hype women, and you mm-hmm. all are cheering each other on. And I, yeah. I love, I love that saying. That's like, I'm going to keep clapping until it's my turn. Right? Right.
1: Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. I've never heard that before. That's really, really good. I, I will tell you a story. I, when I was pregnant with my son, you know, I'd already been in recovery for quite some time from addiction to alcohol as well as codependency. And uh, when I when I was pregnant, I had five baby showers because I had so many people that I thought were my tribe. And then when he was diagnosed with severe autism, um, I don't have any one of those people in my life today. And that's when I started to really look at my relationships. Um, Maybe maybe one person. Yes. Maybe, but it was really interesting for me to see that people couldn't hang with some of the trauma. And uh, that was my big wake up call that even with recovery and pursuing my own needs and wants, he was the one that made me start going, oh, no, no, I cannot, I cannot be at every event. Oh, no, I can't do that for you. I have to take care of him. So he's actually the one who brought me even to this new level.
0: Mm. I love that. I think our kids are the best teachers. Right. And yes, for sure. And it, it sounds like you have been been through a lot and there's there's so many things in there. My brain, part of me wants to, to ask you more about being the mom and, and kind of that journey, because I think that's coming up a lot. Right. That's yeah. that you're that you're literally reborn as a mom. Mm-hmm. And then when you're reborn, it's like you're creating a whole new uh a version of yourself, for lack of a better term, right? And and you're deciding like who your new tribe is going to be. How you feel as a woman changes because you're you're. It's kind of grieving the old life and then stepping into this other person that has to have or gets to have better boundaries and is looking at what's best for the child and yourself and hopefully your partner, right?
1: Right, it is astonishing that we don't talk about this as much as we should. There is grief when you have a child. You do. I did. I'll speak for myself. I, excuse me, grieved for the person that could just grab my purse and my keys and leave the house. I was raised with some very uh, in a very ugly situation. I um, had parents that didn't care for me. Uh, And and I say that not lightly, even though it sounded like it's very lightly. They really, really did not want me around. And the invitation to exist was not there. Um, And at 14, my father passed away. My mother went even more into diagnosis, her diagnosis of schizophrenia and, and bipolar. And at 16, uh the abuse toward me was so horrific and so singled out compared to a younger sibling that I finally asked an si- oh, another sibling, my my brother, who I thought was my brother, why is this such a huge focus on me? And he said, because she is not your mom. She's your grandmother. So at 16, I found out that my true birth mother was who I thought was my older sister. Oh, well. Wow. Yes, quite, quite a, a shock, and also quite a like. Oh, okay, I get why I was so singled out. But when you're raised and you're, it's inferred and it's actually told to you that you are the reason we are not enjoying our life. It, you have to go out. I mean, it's such a desert for love. There was no love. I had to go out and try to figure out how I was going to love. So. When my son was born, I really believed that this was the payoff, you know? This was the payoff for doing all that good work and being really helpful. And so uh, two years into his life, his diagnosis came and I really had to double down in how I was gonna show up for him. And I had to ask for a uh, higher strength, the higher power to come in and show me how to, to still get my needs met so I could be alive for him. Like it was so, it was such a big, um, a big task. And uh, there's something about when the best thing that ever happens to you kind of shows up with some of the worst things that ever happened to you. It's really, really tricky in the mind. So I've had um, a lot of, I've had to do a lot of work to get there to really love my life. But that's one of the reasons why I coach now, because I want other people to see that they can love their life regardless.
0: I love that, and I honor you for for being so vulnerable and just sharing your story. Because I know, in this sharing, the more we use our voice and share our stories and bring it out in the open, there's so much power to that. Because the woman listening also has a story that maybe she hasn't shared right. with somebody, you know. And and that within itself, it's like we. I love having this podcast just to amplify voices like yours, so more women can know that you know our. Uh, our secrets make us uh, sick, right? And the more that we're willing to just talk about it, embrace it, and then sick, seek people out like yourself um, that can really support them you know, through the trauma and just kind of unpacking some of these things that have happened in the past. Because I think a lot of people think that they're they're kind of special, um, that their family is especially messed up. But mm-hmm. I think what I found is like, everybody's family has something you know that needs a little bit of unpacking and, you know, the feelings that we have that we, we don't really deal with until we're grown and maybe have a child or get into a marriage or start a business. Right. And then all of a sudden it kind of come, bubbles up to the surface.
1: Right. We've neatly packed them away. You know, I, I find that people like late twenties, early thirties start to realize that their pursuit of what they think will make them happy. Isn't actually going to make them happy you know or they have the children you know there's this real biological clock that goes on you know where women have to you know we want to have families if you do if you don't great but there is something that happens around that time you have your child and then you're like wow okay it isn't automatically coming and if we don't share you know why or figure out with somebody you know whether it's me or somebody else you figure out exactly why you have the belief system you have and start challenging it. We could go years, you know, in such a cycle for women. Early 20s, it's to find somebody, right? To start a family. It's to build your career. You start doing that and then you start having children. And then the children are the main focus for the next 15 years. And then there's a certain crisis that happens in later years where it's like, well, okay, what what about my time? And we don't talk enough about what it looks like, the mechanics of taking care of yourself first. It's like Mm -hmm. a dirty little secret. And I really want people to start talking about it. And everybody's heard, put the oxygen mask on before you put on your child. But what does that actually look like? You know, What are the tricks, the hacks, the things that get us into that right thinking? Because undoing the old thinking takes a great deal of time. Doing that at the same time as you're incorporating new thinking can really give you freedom. And, you know, I want that for anybody. I mean, if what you say about having a a childhood trauma is so true and it doesn't matter for anyone, whether it's like a big trauma, like my situation or what, you know, your feelings weren't taken care of, you weren't allowed. It's the entire process of tucking them away until they won't be tucked anymore. And they come out and say, all right, lady you're gonna to have to deal with this i think it's true
0: 100 percent. and I, I think there's something special that happens after we turn 40 uh, yes yeah. as as women where you literally cannot keep it in that. You can't keep the suitcase closed anymore. It's literally so full. It's bulging, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's and it starts to call us forward to start unpacking some of that, you know, and calls us forward in forms of anxiety and depression and rage, right? Just anger where you don't know where all this anger is coming from. Um, and what are some other ways, like? Um, that you see it kind of manifest with your clients and some ways that you can help them?
1: Well, there's, um, so some of the things that we do is we start working on what we assume is the truth, you know, our history. We assume that what the, what happened is the truth, right? And it could be definitely be the truth, but if we're not willing to feel it, it's always going to be there. So you have to process the anger and the hurt feelings as a young child. You have to process the things that you went through as a teenager. You have to learn, why do I think this way about relationships? At the same time, getting to know yourself. I always work with clients and we have a what I call a spiritual contract where they have to check in with me daily and say what they're gonna do for themselves spiritually, emotionally, and physically every day. And quite often that's the first time that the women or men maybe have thought about oh right i'm responsible for taking care of myself today yeah. things don't just happen to me like i can take agency with my thoughts and i can learn and we start with that little tiny baby step and then as we're working through all the belief systems that no longer serve us they did they it served me to be codependent in fact psychology is just starting to to share about the fawning when you whenever uh, our amygdala I can't say that word right now because I'm thinking about it too hard. Yeah, the laugh. <laughs> yeah, when it fires, it used to be fight or flight, right? Well, now they're they're coming up with freeze and then the fourth one is fawn. And if a and the fawn is the exact definition of a codependent. So, when I say that codependents are uh, You know, they're they're not born. They're taught. It's where we learn how to deal with our trauma response by making sure that we can overcome it and we can look great in your eyes. You know, the people pleasing. And so just one starting to have agency with your thought is really helpful so that you don't go down that pattern. And I actually practice with people. We go through kinds of discussions. You know, I have a say no process that I do quarterly. I do a seminar, a webinar, I guess is really what it's called these days, where people can just start using something very practical about, you know, searching out for the instances where you are uh, not protecting yourself and you're abandoning yourself. And then writing down, you know, what made you aware of that. It's really interesting, but learning how to be not be codependent or learning how to take care of yourself. It's just, it's the same as even working out. You start and you start doing a little change every day and you start learning a little more about yourself. It's the same, it's the same kind of uh, process as anything that we want to learn about. We just get a little confused or some people get a little confused about their patterns. So until we can go look through them, and you and it's reparenting yourself so the older parent can say yes that happened and i'm so sorry that happened to you and moving forward i am not going to let anything happen to you so i like to think of the first thought is the wounded child or the adult child our first reaction could be that but our second reaction can be us reparenting ourselves us choosing so there's lots of different things that you can do on a daily basis as well as some of the internal work
0: I love that, and that whole concept of reparenting because that that inner child. When we learn to really love and care for that inner child, it only makes us better parents as well. Because then our children reap those rewards, and I think that's the bridge that a lot of parents um, don't really connect. You know, they think Mm -hmm. that they're if I just do everything for my child, then my child is going to have a better life than I had. But in actuality, it starts with us developing a stronger character, developing our understanding of ourselves, because they will mirror our behaviors and our energy. Uh, So I, I love what you're talking about there.
1: And if you are willing as a parent, if you are willing to show your child that you have failure, that you have sadness, that things are disappointing to you, that it's not wrong. See, I really thought that I was doing something wrong if sad feelings showed up. Mm-hmm. versus realizing that it's the entire spectrum that that's actually a healthy person who integrates all those. So if you can share that with your child and they can see that they can get through hard things, that they can do stuff, that when they fail it's not the end, you are are way far above like at least the childhood I was raised with. Oh and my you're gosh, right. I think 90%.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. We're teaching learned helplessness and uh, it was what we were taught don't don't look at those feelings. You know, mm-hmm. don't do it. You just think happy. Come on, that was in the past. It wasn't so bad. Look at what that person went through and not acknowledging ourselves as adults. So as a child, you didn't really have a choice. You had to survive. You had to believe what your parent was teaching you. You had to in order to make it out of that home. But as an adult, if we continue to say the party line, we are continuing to abandon ourselves, just like our parents did.
0: Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And I was actually speaking to a woman just the other day that she said, you know, it feels good just to be able to be told or to be to have the knowledge that I'm allowed to have my feelings, that my feelings aren't a negative thing, that all of my feelings are welcome.
1: Like that Absolutely. within itself.
0: That concept within itself, I think, is not as widely known. And the moment that we get to embrace all of that, I think it's a it's a game changer. So. well and you use
1: the right words we get to yeah we get to many of us you know once the once you're no longer in danger that's the that's that process i was talking about you're no longer in danger and and all you you have been taught is get you know go to school get a good job You know, do this, find somebody to marry if you're interested in having a family. Like we get taught this is what we're doing with no explanation about you have choice. You have agency over your thoughts. You may not want to do that yet. I think it's getting much better, but it's still there. And uh, the whole idea of taking the time to unpack everything that you packed away into that closet to keep yourself safe is what gives you The eyes and the ability to go after things that you really want. Because everybody says, I want to be happy, but they don't know what many of us do not know what makes us happy. Mm -hmm. And that's why working with a group, having your tribe, having a therapist, it's all important. We will be so much more powerful if we're willing to face the past and then bring it into the future about what works.
0: I, I love that. yeah. And in the, in the end, like you said, it's just all learning, right? There, There is no failure. Failure is such a fable, right? It's a myth. I think right. failure, I mean, all it is is clues as to what we want to do next and how to adjust. And so I love that.
1: Well, life is one big experiment. And, <laughs> uh, you know, being honest with our children to, you know, I think there was, you know, like you were saying, parents want to take care of the child and just have better life than they had. But one of the things that we were taught was that failure was bad, you know, Mm -hmm. that this is you need to figure out your life in your early 20s so that you can be there and be a good citizen. And the whole idea of saying, I don't know, you could probably do 100 different things, giving the child the fact that the, the permission to explore and even giving myself as a 51 year old woman the permission to explore and say, wow, what? What could come out of this? What could make me happy? It's really, really a lifting point, a really opening.
0: I love that. And also permission to explore and to have fun, right? And to yeah. have a sense of humor about ourselves when we do make little mistakes. It's not the end of the world. It's right. like you just you just keep moving, right? And you get better at things the well, more you kind of plug away at it. And
1: you're experiencing, you're experimenting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what people do. You know, that's what we do when we when we learn something and are saying this is fact, it's research. Well, they probably tried, you know, 5000 things before because they were experimenting until they found that one. But when it comes Mm -hmm. to our feelings, our emotions and who we are, we think that there's some rule book out there that helps us.
0: Yeah. There's no rules. (laughs) You're like, the more, the more we actually talk to all the grownups, we're like, does anybody actually know what's going on here? (laughs) Nobody knows. Right. It doesn't matter. I have
1: friends, you know, like I said, I have a client who's uh, almost 70 and she will tell me first thing. I don't know, you know, and I love it. I really love it. She's like, everything I thought was going to happen didn't really happen. Yeah, you know, So we spend a lot of time preparing for what we think will happen.
0: <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And I think that's a sign of intelligence when somebody says, I don't know, right? I'm always oh. scared of people if they think they know everything. I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I,
1: I often say the more, um, because I have, um, you know, uh, been uh, sober for uh, this next year, it'll be my 25th birthday. So I'm in my 25th oh, year. Oh, that's of amazing. Friday. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you, But I always tell people the longer I'm sober, the less I know. <laughs> so don't look to me for the wise, you know, for wise words, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to that, I just, you know, I know that everyone deserves to have a better life, you know, and everyone deserves to be important to themselves and to others, you know, and we are all a value. My son is nonverbal. And I will tell you that when I accepted at the same time of working on improvements it's the exact same kind of it reflects it's a lesson in life and it's reflecting back to me what i'm doing for myself for him i had to completely accept him wholly as he is and still try to maintain therapy try to improve and when i did that when he when he taught me that he was incredibly valuable, even if he can't do some of the things that other people can do. Like he has extreme value to me. I was able to start looking at myself and realize, okay, if Billy is valuable and what he does is have fun and play and learn and hug, then I am completely valuable regardless of what I get done today. Mm. And so that's a spiritual truth that I cannot deny of I can't deny his value and therefore I need to stop denying my value.
0: Oh my gosh. That's, that's really powerful right there. I love that. That resonated. And I I know that the woman listening uh, is in full agreement as well. Right. Yes. Well, I have enjoyed our chat so much. I know that we actually kind of ran over time a little bit. um, So I hope you're okay on time, but I would love uh, to kind of just wrap things up by Um, You shared so much today, um, but what would be your top three tips that you would like to share uh, for the women listening right now?
1: Right. The first thing would be what I just said. You are valuable and becoming aware of that. The second one is getting curious, getting curious. And then the third one is setting up a routine in which your self-love, your self-care is the first thing that you think of because once you have been cared for in your life you will be able to do all those things that you want to do or think you have to do with with ease you know it's it's really sharpening that saw
0: beautiful thank you so much for that and how can how can everybody contact you? What's the oh, best yes. way to to find you? What your website, yeah. your social? It's,
1: it's very easy. It's Christinadennis.com. Um, and I am on Instagram. I'm in Clubhouse a lot. Um, if people haven't been on Clubhouse, if you go on my website, there are several different uh, freebies to kind of get to know me and also just to give back. So please feel free, join the Facebook group, Learning to Love Your Life. And we will just continue to elevate ourselves, you know, together. So that's the way you find me.
0: Amazing. Yes. And I love our conversations in Clubhouse. And it's so much fun to do the groups. I know it's been such a great resource to meet other amazing women and just to, to open the door for, for dialogue like this. I think it's, yeah, so it's special. beautiful.
1: It really is beautiful. People feel safe, seen and heard, which is the name of my program. So I feel mm-hmm. like it's really I feel like they're catching up to what that particular mod- modality or you know, um, I guess it is social media, but that particular one is really opening up this part of us and, and a perfect time after the pandemic or as the pandemic is closing down, hopeful, um, for people to be able to end that isolation. Beautiful. All right. Well,
0: well, thank you again, Christine. I so appreciate your time today. And thank you, lady, for listening all the way to the end of this podcast. And I would like to invite you to like and subscribe so we can keep creating some great content for you. And also, I would love to invite you to join the virtual Breathwork Circle that I host every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can find and sign up for that at www.breathewithris.com. So go and get your seat for Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, and come and see what it's all about. We breathe, we get into community. And really, it's just an opportunity for you to feel good in a healthy way and to connect with other amazing women in leadership. So So, good. It's so good. So thank you. All right. Well, thanks again. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And until next time, live in gratitude and be light. Bye. Bye. Bye.